0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show
1: description to support now. Let's go.
2: go ask, ask
1: me what I did this morning,
2: guys. Uh, I'm going to answer it for you. No. I did yoga. I no. My plan. no. Went for a run. I went for my yearly run. Your yearly run? It is a special event each year. Consistency. <laughs> where <laughs> <laughs> doesn't talk, have to, like, okay. Honestly, Sarah, I'm not joking. For the last five years, every year without fail, I have this itch to go for a run. I have I, that. I do it. I just go and do it. Yes. I come, And the first time it happened, I was like, I'm becoming a runner. Oh, my <laughs> God. This is what they mean when they mean you just break through a wall. And then I went for the run then just didn't go again and then every year I just have this itch to go for a it's not a long one it's just literally like running around in the street and come back. That, oh that
0: makes it last so much. it just yeah. goes
2: and then every time I'm like oh I could do this often but then I don't and I do it again That's in a year's time <laughs>
0: right everybody welcome back to two cents um if you haven't heard one of our episodes before it goes something like this each episode we each bring two subjects that we believe are overrated and two that we believe are underrated we unpack debate hash them out here at the virtual round table and leave for our listeners to do the same we're going to do something a little different this week selena and nafisa are going first with their overrated and underrated, and i'm going to do a little something different at the end
2: I've really enjoyed the energy some Muslim women are given on the timeline about Khabib. Because someone like Fatima Adash said, the Khabib phenomenon would be a great case study on gender and masculinity within Muslim spaces. Absolutely gobsmacking and yet very expected what the aura of such performance of masculinity does to Muslim men. Imagine a Muslim woman in his place, they'd tear her down and then someone else and that and then someone called Tuscany Bernier at Not Your Nikabe said I can't wait until we uplift and empower Muslim women in sports the same way we do men men can do sports that aren't permissible and be protected the way women never will and that is so exhausting for some of us to see and then someone else at Dandia Assad said Khabib offers a fun challenge to Islamic religion Religious study nerds. On the one hand, he practices sport prohibited by most interpretations. Yeah. Interpretations of Islamic law. On the other, he's a global emblem of Muslim pride and resistance against structural Islamophobia. How to make sense of it? And then the last one is by At Sin seriously, and she said, "Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices." All Khabib did was fight in a cage, and y'all wanna call it dawah. And she he says, "She went, Mr. Man does anything Muslims dawah. Muslim women breeds. Muslims fitnah." She went in, and then people were like, <laughs> "Why
0: rebu- did it take this long for people to start talking about it?" Because he's been like, "I mean, not I think for people to talk about it, for, for there to be this much
2: like he's basically no I think tired because his mum told him to." <laughs> and then someone and then sincerely also said because people were coming back and saying oh but he's been so like unapologetic and blah 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 and she said so what i'm hearing is ex female athlete didn't make sajda in public so she's not as good as could be love my ass off y'all love to perform you y'all love love performative piety don't you where was where mm, was this energy piety. for people like ibtihaj mm. who is covered from head to toe to from forehead to neck literally Where was that energy for Olympian Muslim, black Muslim women? And this is the thing, like, you know, I was seeing like muftis and sheikhs and all of this being like, oh, Khabib, mashallah, 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 blah, blah, blah. And I felt like a bit of a Grinch because I was sitting there going, where is your same energy for muslim women and i'm allowed to say that i'm allowed i feel when i saw omar Suleiman's tweet and i saw mufti meg's tweet about khabib i i i felt away. i felt frustrated
1: mm. i felt yeah upset. but the, th- the thing is this religious content you know the same way we see a trend and we're like oh that's a nice content piece it no. might like that no, no, no they should know better they
0: should know no. better but at the end of the day again it's like I, I feel like we're all done with this. We need to call a spade a spade. Like Omar said everyone should know better. You're on a you're on a platform, you're on a standing, you know you know full well that Habib shouldn't be going around in his in some tight underpants. Let's
2: call them knickers. They
0: are yeah, knickers. Like going around in knickers. His hour is completely uncovered and he's performing. You
1: know what? in a sport, I mean, he this podcast. I had that thought. And I, you know, I'm ashamed, but I had that thought that, you know what, yeah, you know, what he's doing is wrong. And I was thinking about halal income and how we earn, et cetera. I was like, but you know what, he'll use that money for good. And he'll, you know, he's listened to his mom and he's, you know, he's going uh, to do good for his village, et cetera. This isn't me. This isn't me
2: judging Khabib. Yeah,
0: or trying to find leverage. Yeah, it's, it's
2: not, not. About, Khabib. Mm, it's mm. about what Khabib represents. Mm. In the Muslim community, and how we engage with someone like Khabib. This is not about Khabib. Khabib, you get your bags, you wear your knickers, you do what you need to do to mm. get. This isn't about Khabib. You know, it really is not. Like, mashallah, the brother, he's incredible. He's achieved so much. He is, you know, he is full of. You can see. And he has done
1: it with the etiquette of. Yeah.
2: He's full of integrity. This is not about bringing Khabib into question. Mm. It never it's about the concept as a whole and how we engage and what that means for how Muslim women yeah. are spoken about and how Muslim women are treated. Yeah. And I, I, it's, I, it's not about me being bitter about Khabib, it's not. It's about me being frustrated about how Muslim women are treated in our mm. community, mm. doing just yeah. normal behaviour of yeah. um so my next one so i'm actually going to pull up an underrated um and this is essentially the crux of it is normalizing seeing your friends once a year um so the reason why i say this is Uh, uh, wait it's underrated to
0: normalize seeing your friends once a year yeah so seeing your friends once a year is underrated yeah okay okay
2: um, and the reason I say this is because I saw a friend and I haven't seen her since literally last year. And we worked at the same uni together. And then we also worked together after uni as well for like a year. And we always kept in touch, really close friends, always like she runs a business as well. And so we'd always like soundboard off each other and, and you know, have each other's back. And so we met up yesterday and um we were just talking we had a right good like catch up it was you know those friendships where even though you haven't seen each other in a long time it just picks up and it's as if you saw each other last week and we were like oh so we'll do this again in like a year then yeah and then we were like let's be honest with each other like reality is between her working like 60 hours to get her business going and me being busy and wanting to see family and obviously lockdown pandemics and blah blah blah. I, I've just been thinking that actually as I get older, I'm like it's actually very normal when you think about if you've got ten friends to see all ten friends actually otherwise you're seeing someone every week. Do you know what I mean? I don't have time to see people every week. And it was just really nice and refreshing for us to sit across the table and be like, Yeah, it makes sense to do this every year because I think, you know, from when I was when you're younger a lot of your friendships are based on proximity. You're like, you live in the same area. You go to school together. You go to uni together. Or even work. You see them every day. And so there's this, like, oh, you're seeing each other every week, you know? Because so
1: even when you're older, proximity yeah. is, is quite... Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. So, like, if if like if you're, you've got people in ENDS, like, you're more likely to see them because they're in the area. But then I'm, like, as I get older, I'm, like, I don't... I actually don't have that much time to be... But to be doing that especially like for me my priority is my family to see my family That's and when I have foundation. yeah and when I have free time it's normally okay I need to go see my parents really is like top of the list and I just thought what if we just normalized that see regular contact with friends and seeing each other once a year we also don't do like long conversations on whatsapp or anything like mm-hmm. that we might do the odd voice note and just be like hey how you doing but I'm also not like a WhatsApp friend person like mm. I don't do long combos on whatsapp uh, at most I'll do like three voice notes and that's it mm. and I just think actually if we we would have a lot less sort of pressure in friendships and stuff like that if we just made it normal to just have a catch-up once a year yeah so I really
0: like that one
2: yeah so that's mine so especially with with the pandemic and stuff I've been thinking that when you're out and when you I was at work it's a lot easier to be like, oh, after work I'll go to like Oxford Street or Tottenham Court Road and we'll meet for coffee or whatever it is. But now, like with um, lockdown and working from home and everything, I feel like you're having to be a lot more intentional when you're go. Like it's a, it's a, you're leaving the house to mm. like the sole purpose is to go and meet this person. Mm. Whereas before it was, it was like something you did on the way home or mm. even like I was thinking about how some people I'd only see them at events mm. and we'd have like we'd have a really nice chat events we'd get on we follow each other on social media but now i'm like oh i'm probably not gonna like really see that person so yeah my my two cents this week is normalizing mm. not seeing friends often and that not being a marker of how good your friendship is oh,
0: god, so for I mean, the record my go. other
2: child has
0: not entered he's so so. oh my god he's, he's going he's got like loads of teeth as well <laughs> um do you know what initially when you started um you're overrated you're underrated I had like a little bit of a gut reaction and I was like no like I I think it's because I've been in the house for like a month by myself and I've got massive cabin fever and I think I've like felt really low and um I haven't seen anyone and I just thought to myself no like this isn't life I need to be like out seeing people blah 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 and and so I was like you know when life returns to normal I should Let that be like integrate that back into my routine again because working from home has been really isolating for me because all my friends live in such different areas of London, right? So, no on the proximity thing. Um, and yeah, I would have to make a real effort to like make those trips for myself and see people and maintain that contact. Um, but then as you were talking, I was like, it's not so much. Trying to carve that as part of your life as it is, accepting the reality of what life demands of you and embracing it, because I think like as you get older, um, and it's something that I've always been really reluctant. I think loads of people are. As you get older, it's not again so much your age, but it's your responsibilities, and so you have to just like prioritize essentially. And um, it feels like a sad reality but you know, and there are, there are also like really beautiful outcomes of of like embracing this new like phase or change or whatever and I think it's actually puts people on a lot stronger foundations in terms of friendships as well because everybody everybody's expectations is the same people like if you have multiple friends and you've all seen them once a year then you have to section out one a month or something like that to have so many friends that's the have. thing
2: that ends up happening it's you if you think about if you've got like say five say five close friends Mm. and then you've got for example with my family I've got my parents house I've got my sister's house I've got Mm. three three family houses to visit yeah yeah that's like five six that's eight people Mm. eight close people Mm. there's 12 months in a year yeah four weekends in a month you Mm. know like you when when you start breaking it down you're like okay that's actually that this is what's practical you know we're also taking into account doing your laundry, doing your washing mm. up, doing your
1: life. I've been doing, you yeah. know, just having alone time and. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how I feel about all this stuff that you guys are talking about. Um, you, know, you millennials, um, I don't know how I feel about. It. I'm not going to say I disagree or anything like that. Um, there's definitely etiquettes so I would say to mm. some friendships. Every friendship is different. Some yeah. friendships require different things to maintain them. Mm. Um. I don't think it's a bad friendship if it can't withstand having to meet once a year. Some friends want to see you more. I want to see some Mm. friends more. Mm. Um, I think there is almost like, I'm not going to say hierarchy, but some form of categorization when it comes to friendships. Like there are some friendships for me that are essentially part of my everyday community bubble and part of my everyday um, support right Mm -hmm. and yeah there is definitely like I was thinking as you were talking I was thinking about one of my friends I saw um at the top of um, my road the other day and we bump into each other a couple of times uh yeah so we we bump into and for us I I feel like there's this thing like we don't go out for coffee we don't go out for dinner but we stand at the top of our road it's usually my parents road and gas for like half an hour Mm -hmm. like we stood there in the cold last week and we were talking for a good half an hour and just doing like a life update which and that's the, the, the terms of our engagement and terms of our yeah. friendship whereas there are some friendships where actually we meet every single week mm-hmm. right? for whatever reason it is and actually if we were not, not to meet it would say something about our friendship because we mm-hmm. rely on each other we support each other on that level in that capacity obviously mm-hmm. like there are times where we're going through things and we just you know for whatever reason so yeah so it's definitely interesting and I definitely have those friends that I don't meet as often, mm-hmm. and we can't, but I think a lot of it is about priority as well. What is a priority yeah. in your life? And friendships are fluid. Yeah. There may, may be moments in your life, like summertime, you know, summertime, it's like seasonal oh, year summertime. Year. All the friends all meet come meet, out. <laughs> you only meet once a year. Actually, you meet on a regs during the summertime, for example, because you can. The structures of life, capitalism, don't even let us have proper
2: friendships but is the thing like it's not about saying oh I see this friend once a week do I now see them once a year it's yeah. just about normalizing that there is a friend like you know because it's normalizing that if there are friendships that aren't regular friendships that's okay that's still a friendship mm-hmm. and like like you know me and it's my it's my, my friends called Ajira Me mean Ajira have been friends for like you know seven years now and mm-hmm. over the seven years after having worked together and seen each other every week, we I'm like that's actually really solid friendship. We still maintained yeah. it. We but you know those
1: it. friendships like Ajiro, um, a couple of of your other your, I'm not going to shout them out because I'm be like you said her name and she said mine. <laughs> um, but a couple of your friends. They are just—they are rooted in seeing each other every day. They're like school friends, uni friends, whatever. You actually still had that time. You had that intense period where you saw each other all the time, and now it can withstand you guys seeing each other like once a year. I think the foundation still always needs to be there in some capacity.
2: Some people—they go from every day, and if it's not every day, it's nothing. Like they
1: can't—that yeah. friendship can't exist. That friendship next can't. Level, there are things that you know this etiquettes of how we we deal with our friends how we are with our friends but there's also a space of actually if one of my friends is not messaging like the group like we have got whatsapp groups for a considerable Mm. period of time i'm not going to say they're like well she don't care about us something's up yeah something's up right and i'll go and message her and be like sis you're right you've been Mm. a little bit quiet sorry and more often than not they'll literally be like you know what i'm doing a uni thing i'm really busy yeah
2: there's all that's it. you can never assume you can't that it's like something about you it's normally something about them and something they're going through yeah um, I was also gonna say you know whenever I get like a message and when they're like they reply like literally less than 24 hours later and they're like oh so sorry for the reply I'm always like who hurt you because yeah. like that's not a late reply for yeah. me a late reply is like a year later
1: Do you know what <laughs> yeah. I mean like, that is too mm-hmm. much for me one year
2: No, but I think also that, and I know we've spoken about this Sarah before, like the WhatsApp expectations, like you shouldn't feel scared to open your WhatsApp because someone's going to be like, I've messaged you, blue tick, blah, blah, blah. Mm. For me, I literally have no expectations of Mm. like, if I message this person, if they don't and if if they don't get back to me, just, and if it's something important or if it's something that you needed or you're asking a question, just drop a message and say, hey, just wanted to check if whatever, yeah, you know, but if someone is not replying to hey how are you Mm. and it's taking them a long while first point of call is not you're like you're
1: not being proper friend to me do you know Mm. what i mean you know obviously amid this conversation you actually might be the toxic person if you are continuing to be flaking you're not honoring and respecting your friendships and there isn't kindness on your part as well in terms of like honoring a, a relationship that you have built then that also has to be seen too. It's not just the other person, right? Like we always say, relationships are two ways. So I think that you know the the thing for all of this is check yourself. Like check your how you're moving. If you are that person that's not responding to people, or you're that person that's calling up people like, "Hey, where you been? You know why why, why aren't you responding?" Uh, well, cool. the were
2: if you ever say to me, "Oh, where you been, stranger? You're not my friend. You're not my friend anymore." <laughs>
0: yeah I think I just think that we've been fed a lot of misinformation on how to navigate friendships and actually it's quite intuitive and personal like and you know what your boundaries are and expectations are of that person and the only time like as individual friendships and the only time that it ever starts to get tense or toxic is if you're betraying your boundaries or expectations or they are with theirs so yeah I really like like that whole conversation about normalizing.
1: Okay, I've got a really nice, simple one to off the bat, as they say, off the bat. So, sisters of Islam. So, this was a really simple one because it's something that I do and I thought I would share. But what is overrated adult books and how we should actually revisit? children's books in essentially to inspire good living um and just revisiting classics as well and i just i wanted to share this book because it's so good and there are a lot of information books out there that are aimed at children but they give you such a good understanding um, of whatever matter it is like there's a lot of books about the prophet muhammad peace be upon him that are aimed at children but actually if you want to kind of do like a deep you know delve in quickly into the prophet Muhammad's peace be upon him's life and look into like the history of his life those are really good books to begin with like they at least allow you to map and root you know what the prophet was doing at different times when he was a Mecca when he was in Medina and then going on to like deeper literature because then it's almost like okay so you need know the basics and now you want to go into the kind of the revelations the meanings and all of that stuff so especially even for the dean I would go even the salar books for children really good really good if you're trying to get on the Salah, actually go for the children's books um in terms of like getting to the basics of it um i'm going to show you another book as well so this book is a book about Mansa Musa and the empire of Mali it's a children's book right um so the Mansa book is for kids and i started reading it aloud to them but actually i was quite interested and it has got quite a lot of detail so i think they're a little bit old for it, but after I read it, but read it, I have read it, I can relay it back to them. Mm. And then my absolute favourite, which I think is actually a really, really wonderful gift as well, can I read it to you yeah, guys? Just yeah. like the last few pages. Yes. Yeah. So it's um, the boy, the mole, the fox, and the horse. Has anyone read it? It's really nicely illustrated. Such a wonderful book, guys. Right. So, and I've read it quite a few times. Yeah when you're feeling a bit low actually it's a really nice book to revisit sometimes you don't need some deep spiritual book to you know what i mean sometimes actually you just need a little so this is near the end of the book right what's your best discovery asked the mole that i am enough said the boy i've realized why we are here whispered the boy for cake asked the mole. to love said the boy and to be loved said the horse what do we do when our ask the boy? We wrap them with friendship, share tears and time till they wake, hopefully, and happy again. Do you have any other advice, asked the boy. Don't measure how valuable you are by the way you are treated, said the horse. I always remember you matter, you're important and you are loved and you bring to this world things that no one else can. Home isn't always a place, is it?
0: thank you that's so beautiful. Beautiful. <laughs> you know so beautiful you know what that is a, that is a fantastic one fantastic i tell you some of my greatest moral lessons have come from children's books like and also they have stuck with me we're going on a bear hunt boy i think about that at least a couple of times a week can't go over it can't go under it just go through it what's that
1: teaching about life and I just wanted to recommend. There's also a movie on Netflix. It's called The Little Prince. Has anyone watched it?
0: Yes, that's one of my favorite books
1: ever. What, one takeaway from it. Mama. Oh, here we go. My kids want to be involved. Mother told us about that. Did she? When you we were to our house, that was the first time you watched it. Just take the credit enough, isn't it? There's the
2: kids thing, especially for Islamic knowledge. Hundred yeah. percent. There's even there's a book. I'll drop it in the link in the chat and it's called 101 Sahabia Stories and the Wilds. And again, it's about it's it's a kid's book. I know that. I know that book because we've got it. But yeah. And and again, like to find the adult version of that and to be and it's also a thing of like you you want to be very, very frank, you want Mm -hmm. to be able to get the knowledge and a starter guide. Yeah. And have to go because I've I've got books which are like the adult versions. And I'm like, I, uh, you know, I, I'm looking at them because they've been sitting there for a while and I've only got through like a couple of the chapters yeah. or a couple of the, the pages. How story stories actually getting the children's book is a shout.
1: It's a yeah. shout.
2: Oh. And um, also what I was going to say is for stories of the prophets going on YouTube and the kids' YouTube videos. Oh, not the ones they, with
0: the bunnies though.
2: actually I I feel like it it breaks it down to like what's the core story what's the what's the key things we're meant to learn from these stories and then you can like go forward and like learn more and I think kids resources really especially for if you're like trying to learn more about Islam and different factors and stuff like about the Sahaba and Sahabia and things like that. They are really, really good resources because it just cuts to okay, what are we trying to get get from this? Yeah, absolutely.
1: I, I, that was such a I good think it's normalizing. Actually, that you know, the art of storytelling, for example, yes. it isn't age dependent. Mm. I feel like you know, if I listen to a story, if you listen to a story, we will all take a different message from it um so you know even spot the dog there were some valuable lessons what was the- that one
0: spot the dog was isn't wasn't he the big was yellow one
1: hiding wasn't it the flat
2: book
0: yeah the big yellow dog with the brown spots it's
2: yeah.
1: very cute it's very cute yeah but i i just think as well mentally especially when you're going through a difficult time there's something about children's books and just i don't know taking you back to that moment and mindfulness mm-hmm. of i don't know experience- i mean that that excerpt that you read was like a poem
2: that's
1: just the end of the book so imagine yeah you know
2: where it said your value is not based on how you're treated like what a revolutionary
0: i will say about children's books they are they do feel like more of a journey because they break it down they make it so simple and you're able to like visual like there's there's not so there's not as many complexities in there that have to take you on like 15 tangents. not random plot rolling. lines, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Let's
1: focus on the one plot, what we're trying to get. Yeah. I just want to share one more bit, right? There's a bit where the mole has to save the fox, and the boy's like, I'm not afraid, said the mole. If I wasn't caught, and then the fox says, If I wasn't caught in the snare, I'd kill you, said the fox. And then the mole says, If you stay in the snare, you will die, said the mole. So the mole chewed through the wire with his tiny teeth. Um. And then he says, "One of our greatest freedoms is how we react to things." I am. <laughs> oh
0: boy! That honestly, Selena, that was one of the best overrateds you've ever done. And I know I've said that before.
1: She I really much, did that
2: Sarah.
1: now. <laughs> honestly, I, d- I just am so. You know what? As wow. soon as I wrote it down, I was like, "Oh, these are going to think I've come with like a quick hash to. No, I no. You know what it is? It's the headlines you give it.
2: Adult books are overrated. Uh, okay, then
0: <laughs> there you breathe.
2: That was know a what it is, you know just flaps. Any headline, and then you're like, What? That
1: doesn't really because I sense.
2: formulate what I
1: want to say, and then I'm
2: like, Oh, where does this
0: fit? You know what? <laughs> Do you know what that overrated was? It was the like the salt, fat, acid equivalent of like a really yeah. good meal. It had everything fantastic. That's Hall of Fame overrated.
2: Chella, um, so you got another
1: one in you, or was that? You know, I do, actually. I do. And I'm thinking, do I go really religious and is this Sister Selena on the podcast or Auntie <laughs> Selena? Because there's a difference. You know what? I'm going to go for Sister Selena and I'm going to go in. Yeah. Because oh. it's something that I've held back from the beginning of this podcast oh. and something that I've not treasured on directly. And it's just got to the point where, you know what? I want to leave this world in I'm part with goodness. Your test. I want to say it with my chest, yeah. But what is overrated is your opinion. (laughs) Your opinion. You know I'm coming, isn't it, this week? And I come in... I come in peace. I come with love. I come as a sister. And it's something that I've observed over the years, mainly on social media, right? Your opinion on a ruling in Islam does not matter, sis. Your opinion on a ruling... In Islam does not matter, okay? We really need to stop listening and practicing this deeply wrong and misguided act of inserting Mm -hmm. our opinion and feelings and projecting our feelings onto something that is faux Mm -hmm. or where there is a clear, clear chain of narration or very clear statement in our deen on an issue. I reckon you already know what I'm talking about and for a while I have wanted to tackle this. But I felt somewhat nervous, you know, when it comes to like religious matters and ficky stuff and, and, and things that are fun. But I'd rather leave this while sharing truth than falsehood. And I feel like there's way too many voices talking about this is how I feel and these are my feelings of this opinion. Um, my truth. Pardon? My truth. My truth, my truth and truth. all of this stuff. And listen, sis, we can talk about our truth. We can share our feelings. We can share our opinions. I'm not silencing. I'm not silencing that. Mm-hmm. I think we've had some re- really necessary and needed discussion around specific topics, and I'm, yeah. I'm struggling now to get, actually talk about what it is. But and and the same breath of be careful of what you're saying and what you're sharing be extremely careful about who you're listening to mm-hmm. about certain matters and who we seek knowledge from right I'm gonna say I'm gonna get straight into it so is there a bit of um maybe a great area around how we wear it how how far we cover it there are some narrations around actually use war during specific times in response to it there might be a bit of a great area around that mm-hmm. can it be a struggle? Yes, of course. Mm-hmm. Is it something that I've struggled with? Yes, of course. Is it something I've all my whole life? No, it isn't. Is it a test? Yes. And the tests affect us all differently and we respond to them all differently. But we really need to keep inserting our opinion into what has been commanded by Allah. Is it a struggle? Yes, of course. And the thing is, with any test, right, there will be different struggles. And I think it's really good that we're actually able to be open about talking to them. You know, recently there was a blogger Chinete, she was talking about hair loss and yeah. the difficulties around that and she was giving tips you know she was giving tips and I think that's really good because then some of us can take those tips and be like actually perhaps it's a change of material yeah perhaps it's looking after our hair and those conversations are good yes. they're needed yes. when they bring out goodness right and then it, it strengthens us in wearing the hijab mm-hmm. um for, you know whatever it is because sometimes you need to be like you know what me too sis I really struggle to wear it mm. okay so what do you do sort of vibes yeah. um you know if we take for example Salah Salah is we have to pray five times a day it's five mm. is it sometimes the inconvenience Based on location, like the other day, I was in a muddy field, and it was like I need to pray. If I don't pray, also, Mangrove is going to come in before I know it. Then, you know, yeah. does that mean because I feel like it's a convenience, I, I now make it a not far and I don't do it? And there is some, you know, back and forth on whether I need to do it because of the location. Actually, if we know our dean, we know the. Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him he did salah without unmounting from his camel he mm. did salah even in battle standing up and obviously I'm in the field I'm not in battle but if it means that I'm going to miss my maghrib and you know there's going to have a, a grave impact then perhaps there's a way that I can do it so I just feel like recently over the course of the last few years we've started to take opinion and feelings of far mm. over what is actually relayed in our religion and it's a very very dangerous thing to do yeah. is a very dangerous space to enter, and you know what, I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go for it. There have been bloggers that have taken the hijab off, and the way that they have approached it, they have approached it in that manner where it is almost stating that their opinion and feeling is more important than what is commanded by Allah. And you know I'm really asking you not to paint me in a brush. where I'm being unmerciful or I'm being unkind, but it's just some of it I'm just seeing these things and I know like young sisters that are watching these things listening to these things and they will take that opinion and feeling Mm -hmm. and tomorrow it they will start inserting that into everything how I feel about salah how I feel and before you know it you become doubtful about your deen Mm -hmm. I think I think think
2: the from what I've seen as well is it's about you can talk about how you're feeling and you can talk about you know course that side of it but sometimes it has felt that it is it is ignoring that it is far than it and someone was saying to me that why can't we have the conversation around I'm struggling it's I'm just struggling with that at the moment I'm not wearing it at the moment and and that's that but I have felt that it has been from a perspective of almost like it's not actually something we need to do Mm
1: -hmm. sis do you do you yes just do you there's and there's these these generic statements I keep being dropped in some of these videos, some of these conversations, sister, you, you know, whatever you're feeling. And sometimes I'm not feeling to wear the hijab. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sorry to be the auntie, I really am. But I'm I'm it's coming from a place of of I guess care, you know. I just want to say like be very mindful. And the thing is, you know, one thing about human nature, if we want to do something, we will seek advice from the very people that we need to validate what we want to do. Yeah. If I want to eat burgers and chips every day, I'm not about to go to Nafisa and say, I want to eat burgers and chips every day. I'm going to do, go to someone that's going to enable that behavior. Okay. Mm-hmm. If I want to get healthier, go to the gym, whatever, I'm going to go to Nafisa and be like, you know what? I really want to do that. And she'll give me the advice. So that also is a reflection of keep good company. yeah not keep company that is good for laughs and jokes and nice nice makes you know all of that sort of stuff which is important your your friends your your religious friends should also come with jokes and banter but, but i'm not saying you know but have good company as well and we've emphasized it so many times but have good company online you know we live online a lot have all because it's like this weird space If you have good company online as well, yeah, sis, even offline, online, have good company. In fact, you can have the best company online. You know, I've been really, really mindful of who that, who I'm watching, captions I'm engaging with, stories that I've clicked through. I'm not engaging with anything that is really bad for me in terms of the spiritual place. If, for me, this is me and my nafs here, yeah? if sis is constantly um, po- posing uh, in selfies and outfits that, She's looking fly. It's not me being jealous. It's just me knowing my nafs Mm. and thinking, you know what? Maybe I could dress like that. Maybe I could, you know, if I just took off my hijab because my hair looks fly, I could also look like that. And it's not me being jealous. It's me knowing my heart Mm. and me knowing where I stand Mm. in the realm of consuming all of this sort of content. So I choose not to engage with that, right? So be mindful, sis, yeah? And honestly, I know some people will not have liked what I've talked about today. But I just felt like today was the time to talk about it and mm. if I die tomorrow, inshallah, you know. For the sisters that are looking at the, the uh, other sisters, our friends, our family, who are taken off the hijab, we also have to be mindful how we engage. Mm. If suddenly you see someone that's taken off the hijab and you come at them like, sis, what's going on, what's happening? Yeah. Yeah. Like, where have you been for the last six months? Mm-hmm. You don't know what's happening in the sisters' lives for you then to comment, and I 'm not saying we don't advise i'm not saying that at all, but just be mindful how we're all engaging with one another when it comes to things like advice, like I've also seen some very nasty comments um and nasty commentary on when sisters have taken off the hijab, or perhaps mm-hmm. this is the community oh, have you seen that sister yeah but do you know what she's been going through do you know what's going on in her life you can't just go to her and then just advise her for her job and then step out her life again you know, even I wouldn't appreciate if someone just came to me out of nowhere and just be like yo you know what what's going on why have you taken it off and I'm like sis you have not even like come to check on me in the matters of my life Mm-mm. you know yeah uh, no I know I've said perhaps a lot of wrong things so may Allah forgive us, love forgive me, me Nafisa, and Sarah for anything yes. wrong that we have said, inshallah. Like, mm-hmm. see, we want the, the best to come out of this podcast and for it to yeah. be some sort of guide. We assume that audience are, are those that are seeking to get close to Allah, right? That mm-hmm. is always our assumption. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, if we have ever said anything offensive or, or wrong, then you know, forgive us. Yeah. And then the other stuff is making you feel a certain way. You need to check yourself. And I say that with love. You know how I am on this podcast.
2: actually ties very well into my other two cents because it's about job and something controversial one that you were getting yes to it up. is it is the controversial one okay. um <coughs> i came across this tweet a very long time ago like back in august and i wanted to put it in my some twitter but it was it was a thread so it was just too too it wasn't it wasn't black and white and to your point we, and before that, I, I totally agree with with what you're saying, Shalu. And I, I think it comes back to a similar conversation we had, Sarah, mm. when we were talking about the interfaith marriage stuff of like just having that that did, base. Did
1: level. Sarah also do a work from home podcast where you spoke about hijab and your own struggles. And yes, yeah, and I, I said,
0: from home one. And
1: I said. I said I can. Yeah, I, it was where I was like
2: we can say we're struggling but also acknowledge it's fried basically mm, mm. and I think that's the that's the key thing of and I think that's where I said like me not wearing hijab there's a deficiency in my iman. that like that's how I view it mm. um there's obviously your something, personal relationship yeah, your for yourself personal. yeah yeah that's how that's mm. I, I see it as there's something not right you mm. know and I think we I think part of that what I'm hearing from you Shiloh, is like acknowledging that that level of like not not trying to almost justify
1: the actions by trying to downplay that it is it yeah. is hard it's a having a humility within our own mm-hmm. self of, of actually understanding like you know what my salah is shaky and that is a symptom of something right yeah. that the outward practices that we have in our deen are actually a symptom Allah has put them yeah. in place us, I feel to be like oh your salah is shaky what's up you yeah. know how can we rectify that how can we improve it
0: I do just want to say something that really quickly that I, that's made me think of, sorry, Nafisa, before you go no, into go on. the rest of your point, but um, it does make me think that there is, I, I feel like there is a real deficiency in the Muslim space for discussing these subjects um, really like thoroughly and really openly. And I say that just because I was reflecting on um, psychological welfare in the Muslim community as well because I don't feel like up until maybe 10-15 years ago there were even that many institutions that um, allowed for a space for uh, Muslims to, to seek um, Islamic counselling and Islamic therapy and I say Islamic counselling and therapy because um, it time and time again with this conversation it comes back to the, the lack of infrastructure we have because I, I really feel like if many had a place to go to to discuss these things at length to discuss their struggles and not feel judgmental uh, judged um, they'd be able to hash them out a lot more because actually this requires a lot of self-work and if you Have if the only people you are allowed to talk to about it is either social media or your direct circle, and
1: this goes back to having good company. I think it's really important to cultivate spaces where you can thrash out things, doubtful matters in your deen. You know, I have like spaces like that, alhamdulillah. And those spaces weren't just like it's not a membership club, yeah. I didn't seek those places. I have, you know, I have a group, we are friends, and you know, I feel like there's an understanding that we are friends for the sake of Allah. Yeah. we met and we came together because we wanted to start off a halakha mm. and we've said sometimes that like, if we um you know if we met each we're all like different age ranges, like massively like mm. you know once it's like i think she's like nine years younger than me we wouldn't met at school or university or you mm. know the normal places where you would like mm. meet each other we met out of the need of like, we were mums that really needed some grounding in our deen. So Mm. we met for the sake of Allah and that friendship has continued. Mm. And that space is a space where I can talk about those things.
0: But you know, not everyone has that. And even in the meantime, like trying to like, for example, I'm thinking like, if I didn't have any good company right now and I'm struggling with this, this and this in my deen, how do I cultivate good company, build that whole trust? Like, I feel like, I feel like I'm pitching to listeners and some listen of some communities of like some for for there to be this collective like effort to create these very safe spaces that people can go to directly that are not necessarily not, not, not necessarily attached to them. Um, because I fi- I feel like we'd have a lot less confusion and almost like a, a, a way of educating people how to discuss these issues as well without, um, co-opting, uh, fard putting their um opinions uh trials or uh, th- their thoughts on it and disseminating that for other people to interpret and maybe put on their lives because that's that's really there's like a, that chain reaction but i'll, I'll stop i think
2: first. this is like that 12 things i struggle to reconcile about islam as a muslim woman on amalia did so really in ter- and i mean well in terms of People really felt seen because it's like we pretend conversations and gray space and doubt and all its struggles don't exist. We pretend it is like black and white, and while there is a degree of yes, it is black and white. This is hard. This is not. The experience of doing the third and the experience of doing those acts. Mm. There is a lot of gray, and there is a lot of need to hold space for the feelings you feel in in doing that, and. And we can't discount that we are humans with feelings and emotions. We are going to go. Everyone's going to interact with different things in Islam differently, you know. And I, I think that, that, that is why that that piece made so many people feel seen. Of like, oh, I'm not the only one. I'm not the only one who questions certain things. Or I'm not the only one who feels a sense of discomfort or a sense of struggle. Um, and I, I think it, it is, you know, it is really, really important to to have company, because that is good, because you can very easily find the company that will tell you the answers that your nafs wants, you know, not what your soul needs, but what your nafs wants, um, and going into my, oh my god, I'm so shook, but um, going into my um, two cents, so like I said, I saw this this thread a while ago, it was like back in August, and again, it was from at Seriously, who I mentioned in the Khabib, segment and yes how sorry you were saying like some of these conversations it feels all or nothing and there's not enough space for gray and nuance and you you're saying like with your friendships you can thrash things out you can have that conversation of i'm struggling with x the answer isn't always okay just stop doing it because it's you know what in in
1: those friendships as well you need to be prepared to hear things that you don't want to hear yeah 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 exactly um and what at sincerely said
2: is she said, if we didn't falsely make hijab a pillar of a woman's Islam, I think more women would feel comfortable experiencing it in a more fluid manner. There's a lot of wear it right or take it off verbiage about it. but mm. women I don't like that either. But women should be able to practice it whenever and however they want. And honestly, I feel like because this tweet includes the word fluid... Yeah. people have like a knee jerk reaction mm-hmm. of like you know it's not about putting it on on monday taking it off on tuesday putting it on on wednesday taking it off on saturday right mm-hmm. and i'll be very honest when i first saw that tweet outside like, what do you mean this and this is me as someone who does not wear hijab
1: yeah. but
2: then i was like actually if and she was like we've become obsessed with what we
1: deem symbols of piety and controlling women mm-hmm. and it goes and thought, to we, we, we are meant to be the poster girl for islam in the west right and there's this this big um pressure on us because especially when it comes to i'm gonna say fashion bloggers or whatever it is the reason why the community come for them is because you've got these men like no but you were you were repping us you were repping us yeah she she may have been repping us in certain spaces but she's also repping, repping herself and having her own relationship with her religion mm-hmm. you know it it, it sounds like I'm um, contradicting my
2: first point. No, it's not, it's not contra- and this is the thing, it's like like you said, like Muslim women are expected to be this poster girl, meanwhile you've got khabib in knickers fighting in a I like
1: khabib. we've got bare men like or scholars or sheikhs doing the most when it comes to violating women, but we're talking about a sister who's showing an ankle. Yeah,
2: and I and I think this is the thing when I felt I, I had to really Sit on this tweet of like more women would feel comfortable experiencing it in a more fluid manner. Yeah. And I feel like, Sarah, obviously, me and you don't wear hijab, but it made me think like, actually, if there wasn't the pressure, like me and Sarah, like I feel like for us, it's like you put it on and then that's it, you've made yeah. it, you've yeah, 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 it, you know,
0: that's part and of the, I, the, the fear of like, yeah. you know, for me anyway, part of the fear of putting it on is the fact that that's a
1: lifelong yeah, the hijab will start. In a fluid manner it might for me it started with just wearing hijab to the mosque because i was like oh, i'm gonna wear it to the mosque i'm gonna wear it, to it before it was like then i was wearing it after the mosque mm. you know what i mean and that for me the journey actually now looking back it was fluid but i wouldn't say oh i had a fluid j-. you know what i mean
2: it was fluid but it didn't wasn't broadcasted on social media so no one knew it was fluid yeah and yeah. i feel like now because you know you have a part-time life on social media for most people it's like then that part-time life they also know that your hijab is fluid and then that brings into quite you know the amount of times I've seen like people who don't even have a big following yeah. being like, "I oh, just want to address my hijab situation and they they're not influencers they're not bloggers but they f- you feel compelled to come on stories and be like oh just want to address my hijab situation blah blah but yeah. i'm like you wouldn't come on and be like i oh, just want to address that i've not been praying Fajr at the moment mm-hmm. so you might see me you know snapping my breakfast at 9 p.m mm-hmm. but that's that i have i have been struggling <coughs> you know you wouldn't do that and it goes back to like what this sister was saying about the hijab becoming this this pillar and this symbol and this it is an obsession I'm sorry it is an obsession and that's not negating absolutely the conversation of it being fired but it is obsession it is an obsession and I think that obsession has actually done a lot of harm to Muslim women Mm. and their relationship with the hijab including people like me and you Sarah who do see it as an all-or-nothing thing because you know especially for someone like me I am I do use my social media Mm. and i don't want to be on social media with hijab on monday and no hijab on friday because mm. i'm trying to like get to grips with it and find my feet and blah 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 and yeah. i also don't want to feel like
1: i need to be run off social media for that either yeah do you know what i mean absolutely I, you know what, the parts of our faith though we we have to practice privately yeah but um, how do you practice that privately
0: this is what i was going to say is that understanding and accepting that human beings work on a foundation of optics and they will act on optics and unfortunately like because we look at like the optics of the situation is that he is this emblem of islamic masculinity you know reviving like the sahaba and their big muscles and you know know, like (laughs) it's because you can you can see optics playing out and I, and, I, and, I just, and I just understand that that's how people are operating. Because I feel like that personal understanding, that personal acceptance would alleviate a lot of that pressure. Like, but, but uh, you know, you see those people that run off into the, into the middle of nowhere and build their house, right? It's because of how people view things. It's how people have created society to view things and put that on you. So, you know, I think, I think really it's about a very individual journey of understanding how people work and how
1: you need to operate really. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I think it's we're talking a lot about terms of engagement on various yes. things, like in this podcast. Like mm. God, I we're really way too much. But you know, there was one day that I I was running around the flat trying to sort out the kids, trying to sort out myself and I said to myself, I did wudu and said, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do my um fudge, I had to work up, I'm gonna do it, I'm gonna do it I'm gonna I left the house, I got to the park where we were meant to be and literally as soon as I foot in the park I was like I haven't done fudging and I had a moment there where I was like I need to either do fudging now in front of everybody and let everybody know that I, was, I hadn't woken up I hadn't done it and I hadn't prioritised it or I don't do it because I don't want anyone to see all of that and then I just did it, I said sorry guys I just need to pray before we start and I prayed and then a sister like really innocently she was like what no. Now, if it was a type... I have This happened at a Taekwondo tournament, right, once. And I prayed in some changing room, yeah. And then the brother was... The brother, yeah, he thought I was praying for my kids. Like, I was doing a special extra prayer for my children. He's like... When I finished, he's like, oh, you're praying for their success? And I was like, obviously, I made the well for my children in the Salah. But I was like, no, I was... And I, I didn't want to lie. So I was like, no, I, I prayed for and he, And then he got confused. He's like... Oh, but Fudger is a is a time. <laughs> Tell what time it was. I was like, yeah, I know, but I I missed it, so I'm trying to make up for it. Yeah. And I don't know. He did not rate me yeah. He did not. But it was either do that fudger to the best of ability I could, in the fact that I, you know, or abandon it entirely because I had the gaze on me, right? But I had to just keep going in my mistakes. So hard, yeah. It's so hard. I feel like it's a metaphor for a lot of what we discussed as well.
2: So sarah I feel Basically. like we have a little bit of news for the podcast. You know what? Before I tell you that, I also want to let you know that I put on my stories how we like get listeners from lots of different countries. Yeah. My DMs, guys, it was so cute. I had Aww. people say, hey, I'm the listener from South Africa. Hey, I listen from Indonesia hey I'm from Australia, hey I'm from Canada, hey I'm from Nigeria, it was the cutest thing ever. Do you know what I can imagine because when
0: we only used to be able to see our statistics on SoundCloud um, and it would only just have the country flag and it would just, it was just the number so it's nice to like, because at least with like like the right editorial you get, you know where people are writing from, you know that's really, but with the podcast listeners, to our judgment, it's always been a number and it's nice to like, it's nice to know that people are like personally reaching out and actually listening, it's like someone was listening in Nigeria, that's so mindless.
2: It's even like I was doing a panel on Friday and Ibrahim, who runs Guap magazine, Black-owned media, um, he was like, you know, when I was starting out, Guap, Galdem and Amalia all started like five years ago. And uh, abraham was like when i was starting out there weren't that many blueprints for black owned media yeah. and then the host was like but now you guys have to deep that you're all blueprints for mm-hmm. other people yeah. and i was, like i did and i was like whoa like there's people that are able to start whether it's their podcast whether it's their um online platform whether it's even a social page and they're able to be like oh what do they do over there how do they make it work yeah absolutely La, 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 like, what an honor and yes.
0: what a privilege to be able to be in that space, you know? Yeah, yeah, and I'll be honest, like, I think there is that growing awareness that I don't think I'll ever be part of something like this again, where it is like, and you know, that was meaningful as part of my deen. It was a way that I could worship, which you know, you don't get many opportunities to do that. It had that whole aspect of working with really amazing people, and you know, also having the opportunity to meet a community that i had always prayed to have but okay so my announcement and the reason we're doing things a little bit different today is because i am leaving amalia i'm leaving the amalia podcast i'm leaving the amalia company after nearly three years mashallah being with um uh, selena and Naveed and helping to start this podcast which mashallah like Naveed, you just said as well it's, it's like hopefully will be um the blueprint for many many amazing projects in the future and quite a legacy and something that I'll never forget um has having been a huge part of my life and I think um yeah I don't want you know it's oh, oh, <laughs> gonna cry and I can feel it coming um, it's in the <laughs> yeah it's in the throat um but you know um I just want to put a and no, out to the listeners I, I think I probably will do this um uh again at some point because it's not going to be my last last episode i'm going to be in uh, the next uh, two episodes
2: you've got sarah's dreamy voice for a couple more episodes so we thought we'd <laughs> be into the process
0: you can see, like oh has she gone but meanwhile there's like some anthology episodes coming up for next six weeks i'm still going to be on some pre-recorded episodes but i will no longer be doing any live recordings with girls and um and yeah, this, it's is a, this is the pen, yeah. penultimate live episode Um, And I just wanted to thank every single listener that um, uh, enjoyed and listened and gave our podcast some time and who gave us feedback and everybody who I've worked with and reached out to, um, you know, as part of this real amazing project that we put on with the podcast and mashallah to see it go to such success as well. Um, And I know that it will only go to greater heights. Award-winning with Sarah. Award-winning podcast, alhamdulillah. It's something I never, ever foresaw ever being a part of, and I'm just so privileged to have done it with you both and with the community, and thank you. Like, I know that this will only take off and become bigger and greater, and there will be more stories and more voices on this podcast, and I'm so just so happy to have been even a little bit of a part of that. Um, so, thank you all. And as a kind of like sentimental tribute to Two Cents, I have decided to do something a little different this week and pick up some of the old subjects that we have talked about and kind of like pit them against each other, see if we still stand by them. I'm going to like not only look at mine, but also Selena and her thesis as well, and see if um, <laughs> we all still agree with all of the stuff we've talked about. There's some things I definitely regret. Um, so but the first one I would like to contest is the myth of power dressing so I think Nafisa brought this one to the table as something being overrated and I would like to contest it and bring it back and say I actually don't think it is overrated at all and I want to unpack this so so yeah the myth of power dressing I would say in the context of working from home especially this one has proven absolutely like what's the word detrimental to my well-being and my work well-being um when I was in the early stages of lockdown I was living with a friend and um the difference between us both when we approached work is that she would get up every morning have a shower get changed into some badass black uniform put on her makeup did her hair got ready for work and had a full day of like smashing her smashing her goals I on the other hand would wake up Uh, do a little bit of admin in my pajamas put my headphones on go for a recording with you two and then that would be the rest of the day moment or looking back at moments in my life where i have dressed up for something it has really influenced my confidence levels for that day and also my degree of optimism um and therefore increase my capacity to enjoy whatever I'm doing or to really thrive with whatever I'm doing so yeah that is my contested overrated for this week yes Lufisa. So,
2: I'd just like to say I really understand where you're coming from however that wasn't actually my point my point was that okay. I, you know what a couple of weeks ago I think I was like going for a walk or something and I looked really good mashallah you know I looked <laughs> I was in a fashion show and I often dress like I am in my own movie and the reason that I do that is because I'm like especially in lockdown yeah but generally in life you can't wait for an invite to dress your best mm. you know like you can't wait for that friend's wedding or that award ceremony or whatever whatever goes on in your life mm. for you to look your best mm. and so for me often I have moments where I'm like I'm just gonna look glamorous and look amazing today just for the, what even if I'm going to Sainsbury's whatever it is and I think for me the power the the whole power dressing thing was about that power dressing not being the blueprint of the two-piece suit but the power It understanding where your power comes yeah. from like your power might come from wearing bright colors yeah. your power might come from wearing something really casual clothes but like really funky trainers mm-hmm. and so understanding that the 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 because the, power dressing is often seen as like a two-piece suit mm. and so for me power dressing is just like looking good basically and I think there is such a psychological impact of looking good like often as in my work from home routine I do get up and I like put on makeup and I like wear something and I also to use that as opportunity to wear something I wouldn't wear outside and I mean in terms of covering so like I might I wouldn't wear a plunge neck outside of my house right I wouldn't wear Polonaise, neck and I've used um work from home to also wear things that I wouldn't wear because it's not covered enough for me yeah even that like it, it's like a sense of like
0: that's so I'm true I never house,
2: like, that, that that sense
0: of... yeah I never thought about it that way as well how so many people must be exercising the true. freedom
2: it's yeah and that's the thing because sometimes like some of the outfits I wear I've I'm, I've tailored it to make it modest to like you know yeah. I put, like I love plunge neck tops I love plunge neck um jumpsuits I think they look amazing mm. and I always pair them with a polo neck when I leave my house and I think it still looks amazing but if I wasn't someone that was was wasn't covering best believe that plunge neck would be on show <laughs> I would have my boots out right in your face but like you know <laughs> it's like it's like working with that and I think sometimes like my wardrobe is like actually, I can also wear it in a way that's not covered, mm. and that's what I've actually taken a lot of advantage of in work from home. Of like, I can wear this jumpsuit today, and my back's out, it's a plunge neck, and no one's gonna see me, but I see me, and yeah, I
0: think that's, definitely. That's,
2: I see yeah,
0: me. yeah, it's that it's making the myth, the myth of power dressing or power dressing a bit meta in that it's, it's so much more than um it obviously yes it influences like everything you've just said that it makes you feel a kind of way but it's looking at it as like you exercising your freedom to be comfortable in your own space and to live up to your own expectations and 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 have the best of both worlds essentially you know being home and outside and blah, blah, blah. and um, just doing what you can with the resources you have to make you feel the the best possible version of yourself that you can on any given day
2: really liked that one sarah her worries thank you for bringing it up (laughs) over a year ago because sarah is um leaving us soon we've decided to give you extra two cents over this um next couple of weeks so do hold tight and in the meanwhile (coughs) If you would like to send your love letters to Sarah, email hello at amalia.com. That is a real email address. Hello at amalia.com. Good, um, yeah. you, you could also <laughs> you could sharing it someone to and Sarah. also you could um, also leave a review on iTunes because I think you'll all agree that having Sarah on the podcast has been a wonderful addition. To everyone's day, everyone's week, hearing her voice, whether it's small talk, two cents, anthology, that calm and smoothing, dreamy tone has been an absolute delight to have Sarum. I can't say we're gonna replace you because
1: you're irreplaceable. Oh, so it's gonna DM and say, "Can I take Sarah's
2: book?" <laughs> <laughs> everyone's gonna try. Everyone's gonna try and pretend to be you, and it's like you <laughs> can't. I'm sorry, you can't be Sarah. Like you just cannot be Sarah. Eventually, imagine, if it was like nobody cares. <laughs> <laughs> move, move on. And now people be like, "I'm gonna miss Sarah's voice." No, whatever. <laughs> Literally, <laughs> there's gonna be such. You're gonna get love letters coming. Pizza. No. Also, I had um one more thing to speak to your uh, lovely tone and voice. Sarah, who you might have heard drop into to the work from home podcast that we just had, she messaged me and she was like, her eldest daughter, who is how old is she? Shalom? six, seven. Yeah. She was putting her to sleep, and Sarah normally puts her to sleep with the Quran, and her daughter actually turned around and said i don't want to listen to the quran i want to listen to the malia podcast and so she actually fell asleep listening to the dulcet tones of the malia podcast <laughs> oh, hey. wow you know guys and you know
1: what? we talk about the dean
0: calm collaboration how calm. cute oh. is that youngest youngest listener <laughs> oh wish
2: um, so just to let you know this just to reaffirm to the listeners, we know this is very sad news, but you will hear Sarah again on the podcast, and we will be doing a goodbye on that podcast. Um, so if there's anything you'd like to tell Sarah, please let us know at hello@ at amalia.com or on the iTunes reviews. Thank you
0: <laughs> We'll leave that there then. Sam welcome everybody and alaikum to our listeners, and we will see you on the next.
2: Wow. Well, it comes so <laughs>